This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Uh, just a disclaimer from uh, from the off: uh, you may you you may be able to gather that I'm absolutely full of cold, and uh, my voice um, is doing its best to leave me. Which uh, and me not talking is not something that happens very often, but uh, it, by by the end of this podcast, we could be getting very very close to that. So we're going to give it a good a good crack uh, today. But um, as I say, my my apologies if um, uh, I'm not as clear as uh, as I might normally be, or if am I ever clear? It, it's it, it it's an important question. Anyway. Um, th- despite my failing voice, we do have two games um, to discuss because Albion have played twice since we last recorded. One win, one defeat. And I think um, get the bad news out of the way first, Pete. I think we've got to we've got to start with the with the defeat to Birmingham uh, on Friday night. Now, I, uh, we generally on this pod make something of a policy of not trying to spend too much time referring to um, uh, talking about refereeing decisions because in an audio medium where you can't show the clips and everything, I generally think it's it's quite boring content. Um, and also because I'm I'm uh, you and I obviously a bit uh, slightly slaves to the data and uh, um, and we you know genuinely believe that a lot of the time referees decisions don't influence games anywhere near as much as people like to make out that they they do and and often games go the way that the numbers show that they 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 should have done really I, that is not something i can say about friday night the game we have to start by talking about the officiating because the game pivots on one moment the game pivots on the penalty now albion obviously a 1-0 up at that uh, at that point I ran the numbers, Pete. Whilst we were not, whilst we weren't phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination, uh, we, we've obviously scored the goal, and and we're comfortable um, before the penalty. Tackles won by uh, uh, Albion had won eight to five um, against Blues, and unsurprisingly, Albion had dispossessed Blues four times. Blues had only dispossessed Albion once. Albion were in solidly in control of that game. They were uh, they uh, they they were keeping hold uh, hold the ball in the right areas. They weren't letting Blues get into dangerous areas. Blues weren't uh, getting shots off. They'd had one attempt at goal really, or one uh, one sort of attacking moment. Um, I know Corbran likes to often talk about moments in games and uh, and they'd ha- Birmingham had had one moment really prior to the penalty. The penalty then happens and it just changes the whole momentum of the game. Suddenly Blues w- are winning the same number of tackles to us. They, they dispossessed us six times to our one time all the way up to the second goal. 
And to be honest, Albion never really recovered to half time. Now, you can say to a certain extent that's that's on us because you're going to get moments in games that go against you and you're going to have to be able to be able to cope with them. And whether they're unjust or not, and the penalty, there's not a doubt in my mind, it's completely unjust. You do have to you do have to mentally cope with them. That being said, you go into a game with a game plan. You execute that game plan beautifully. You get yourself one goal ahead and you are completely nullifying the opposition. And through no fault of your own, they are given an avenue back into the game. And there's two teams in every game. Blues looked a little despondent, really. Like we, We'd completely taken the wind out of their sails, the wind that had been built up with them scoring four goals against Huddersfield in midweek. But for me, Huddersfield, I mean, you look at those goals, they're poor goals, a lot of them really, to concede. I, I, I was actually watching the highlights um, because Sky showed the 15-minute the highlights of of both Birmingham's and our games before um, uh, the game last night. And I, so I was watching the 15-minute um, highlight package of Blues before our game kicked off. And I was thinking, I actually said, my mate was over and I, I said to him, I said, I'm not that worried. We won't concede goals like this. You know, they, these these aren't these aren't the sort of goals Albion concede. So that that's fine. They got given a goal. They effectively got handed an equaliser. It's a ludicrous decision, Pete. I mean, I, I know people are sending stills around on Twitter, and I'm probably giving them too much oxygen by going back to people. First of all, there's a reason you don't look at a game in a series of still pictures because it doesn't give you a fair depiction of what went on. But second of all. Any right-minded person watches that clip of that penalty, and I don't understand how they can give it. Corbrand said himself that the the referee was the only person in the in the ground who thought it was uh, thought it was a, a penalty. Everybody else is thinking it's a corner or a goal kick. Even to the extent where, when it's given, the Blues fans initially start complaining because they think that the referee has given a goal kick that he's pointing to the goal kick not the penalty. There was no Blues player appeals at that point in time. The uh, Kipre and Palmer are applauding because they think he's given a goal kick. It didn't cross anybody's mind that he had given a penalty. And I think you can deduce a lot. I, I have said this for years and years and years. I think you can deduce a lot in incidents from how players react. I think players reactions actually are very honest most of the time their their natural initial reaction is it tells you an awful lot about an incident and what that tells me is no way on god's green earth was that a penalty kipre wins the ball you know yes he makes some contact with uh, with, with miyoshi afterwards but i mean what are we saying now that you can't make contact with anyone in the penalty area both players slip miyoshi slips into him i mean what's he supposed to do about that I mean, is Kipre supposed to throw himself out of the way? It's a good challenge. Yes, Kipre goes in, you could almost go as far as to say hyper-committed at times, but there is, it's a disgusting, disgusting decision. It's appalling. I mean, and I, 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 I'm I, one who a lot of the time likes to stick up for referees. I said after the, the press, not the Preston game, the Bristol City game, where Maja got injured, that you cannot blame the referee for not giving that penalty because in real time it did not look a penalty. And just because we've seen multiple replays and it, uh, and when you slow it right down frame by frame, actually it is a penalty. You can't, the referee has one look and you have to accept that. Well, the referee has one look at that and that, uh, and that one look should have been plenty to deduce that that was not a penalty. Pete. And it it swung the whole game, didn't it? It, it? It really did. Referees should not influence a game to that degree. And unfortunately, he he did. I'm I'm fairly confident Albion would have got a result out of that game if he hadn't done what he did. As it is, we go away with, with, with zero points. Um, but I really, I, I can't peg too much blame on the players or onto, onto Corbran because ultimately Corbran set them out in a way that worked. And the only thing that didn't work is that the referee made an inexplicable decision. Yeah, the penalty decision was obviously terrible. Well, never a penalty. Um, you can tell by the players' reactions. No Blues players appealing for it. All the Albion players clear, clearly furious about the decision. Um, almost every single player going to the referee. I mean, to the point where Wallace was actually having to forcibly 
remove Albion players from the situation for fear of them getting further punishment. Yeah, so I'm sure he could away and a couple of others. Um, and even the Albion fans behind the goal are like they were um, cheering after the Kipri made the tackle and thought the referee had put a free goal kick. Um, so, yeah, I think basically everyone in the ground assumed it wasn't a penalty apart from the one person who actually makes the decision. Um, and it did did swing the game. Um, I think we were kind of happy to get the early goal, especially away from home after kind of the way that we've, you know, the runner results that we've had away from home. Um, and the early goal made a big difference at Preston and it felt like the players were relieved, relieved to get it. And then as soon as that... It generally does with us, doesn't it, Pete? The way we play... Getting an early goal is so massive to to what to what we do because we we don't create tons and tons of big chances and if the, but but what we are very good at is is killing a game stone dead and and to be honest it looked like that was for twenty minutes that was exactly what was happening yeah we got it and then after that we we looked comfortable we looked kind of on top without being too threatening we maybe could have got another one where we yeah I think we we're on top at that point but then after the penalty was given and the referee gave him that goal then players looked almost disheartened like the, the hard work that they'd done to get the, the early goal and take the lead um, in a game away from home had just been thrown away for, for nothing for something that's undeserved and then yeah we didn't really have the composure that we did um, before they, they got the penalty so penalty massively impacted the way we were performing but saying that I mean once it's happened then you, you just got to got to deal with it especially after losing after going behind um i don't think we really dealt with it enough in the right way I, we struggled to create chances and had the most of the ball and possession and it in gave there. them a um, boost though didn't it pete i mean you know i i i completely agree with the point you're making but as as i said at the top you know there are two sides in every in every game and and it looked like it looked like we killed the energy from blues and 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 the penalty just gave it all back to them yeah i mean it definitely gave their players more belief and energy and energized the fans as well but I mean it doesn't need too much encouragement in in that game for the fans to get behind the team but yeah that didn't help but yeah I thought we didn't really create enough in the second half especially to well with what the situation was um had the penalty not been given I wouldn't be surprised if we'd gone on and either ground out the one nil or or maybe even grabbed another and kind of walked away with the game but after that decision has been given and Birmingham take the well equalise and then take the lead. We've got to got to do something to start creating chances again and, and actually threaten, which I didn't think we we did really. Um, and yeah, uh, it's something that we've struggled with a bit, um, especially w- away from home. So yeah, I suppose it's a, that's a only, mentality uh, question again, isn't it, Pete? How we respond to setbacks? Yeah, and that's probably the only issue you can have with. The players' performance because we started off really well, um, we're dominant and looked like we we're going to control the game after taking the lead. So at that point, there wasn't much more we could do. Um, but then, yeah, the the blows of having that penalty given and then going behind before for half time, it seemed to take its toll, and we we never really, um, yeah, never really threatened from there. We probably should have. I can't remember when the actual chances were, but whether they were after Blues had scored or before, I'm not sure, but. Grady probably should have grabbed one or two. He had a couple of volleys that he missed that looked like they would have been good chances if he'd connected. And then Alex Moat as well missing or not connecting properly with a, a free header from about 12 yards out that he should have done better with. So there were chances, but I think they were all in the first half. In the second half, we didn't really look like we were going to offer much. No, barring Furlong's miss, which, I mean, let's be honest, that's... I I I I do think Darnell Furlong actually had a very good game, but um, I mean he's he's got to he's got to bury that, hasn't he? At two one, Pete. Yeah, and it's something we mentioned in the other week that I'm, I'm, I don't think he should score more goals from out the kind of areas he gets into outside the box, but the amount of times he gets in at the back post um, to have a free shot and goal and crosses just go all the way through, you'd expect him to grab a couple more, and that was a really good chance. And he just I don't know, it seemed like he. Maybe didn't expect it to come all the way through, and then was was stretching at the end. But sorry, Peter, I was just going to say he seems like he'd rather have a chance from twenty yards than ten. Yeah, but he always finds a space at the back post, and times his run really well. But he just struggles to to finish. Um, I'm not really sure why, but yeah, he seems to do better from outside the box. The ball from Matty was unbelievable as well, wasn't it? Who who also had a very good game. Yeah, yeah, really good ball, and I think he 
actually played a bit higher up in the whole game than he has done in recent weeks. I think it was switched to more of a four four two than the um the three four three that we've been playing recently. Um Actually, you look like at Darnell's we... average position, Pete. He was he was hi- as high as uh, as Matty. Was, uh, actually, left the three centre halves very much on their own. Now I don't know uh, whether game state was a big part of the, of that because obviously for a, for a large portion of the game we were chasing it. But um, yeah, I mean, Furlong was as high as Matty. Yeah, I think maybe a lot of that came from in the second half. Um, but I mean, when we were defending, it was it was two banks of four, um, and then the two up top. Um, and then I think when we were trying to build up, especially in the second half when Townsend came on, it was kind of uh, Kipre, Bartley and Townsend as a, a back three for the first line of, of the build-up and then the two central midfielders in front of that, um, which allowed Furlong to push on, which probably explains his average position. But um, in the first half, especially whilst, I think it was whilst we were leading and possibly level as well, he, he was quite reluctant at times to go past Pass Grady on the on the right wing and overlap. I don't know if it was the threat of um, Dembele's pace on the counter that made him kind of reluctant to to push on um, and leave ourselves open at the back. If they were to counter down with Dembele, is very quick and you kind of don't want to be on the wrong side of him. Start on the wrong side of him in a race. So I think yeah, second half we probably had to scamble a bit more and push Furlong on a little bit higher, but. Uh, second half even but first half yeah he seemed a bit reluctant to, to actually overlap at times I mean the game overall Pete um, if you take the penalty out of it Birmingham 0.7 xg to our 1.2 I mean as much as we didn't respond particularly well to the, the penalty going in over the course of the game if you if you take a completely unjust penalty out of it you know we we've we've done enough to win the game haven't we which is because this is something that we would we were talking about and this comes back to the point we made, um, I think it was um, on the Millwall pod, um, where we said, you know, we're, we're playing we're playing better now. And this was before we, we won two on the spin, um, that we were playing better when we weren't winning games than, than we were when we were winning games because we were losing the XG battle week in, week out. But we were just we were winning games through a little bit of luck possibly being and also being quite clinical. But I mean, you and I both said that that was never going to last. I suppose the, 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 the positive here to take away is that with a reasonable referee, we've probably, we've, we've done enough to win the game and, 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 and we, we've probably, we've probably done enough to win the game. I would say now for six games on the spin, Bristol City, Watford, Millwall, um, Preston, Sheffield Wednesday, and, and Birmingham, and that has to be a positive. And I think, I, 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 whilst there was murmurs of dissent for, for uh, about some of the performance against uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, we'll come to that a bit later on because I think they were very, very unreasonable. Um, I was in, I was in the crowd on on Tuesday night, and I couldn't believe that it, that, that I heard boos. Um, when we were one nil up, absolutely ludicrous. Um, but and uh, obviously we've we've then gone and lost this game. But I, I I think you have to take the positives that at the moment, game in game out, we are we're, we're generally the better team in games throughout the ninety minutes. And I don't think I don't think I could necessarily say that earlier in the season in a lot of games. Yeah, I've been mean, bluesed in creating an awful lot, and and we had some. Good chances with Furlong and and Moet and Dan Garner had a couple, um, but yeah, the the referee's decision completely changed the game after that. And after Blues quickly got the um, took the lead with a header, they didn't really need to create a lot. Um, they seemed quite content to kind of hold on to the lead and and just kind of see the game out, which they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, Albion didn't create an awful lot after that either. So it's yeah, we're probably the better side, but. You know, sometimes these decisions happen, and sometimes you get a goal from what's maybe not a great chance. Um, but to be fair, the, the header was a very good chance, really good ball in, and Sanderson found himself free at the back. So, I mean, is that I don't a know problem area for us? Is that a problem area for us, Pete? Set that set plays because. That's you know I mean you co- you go back to the Swansea game we obviously got we we got peppered uh, from from set plays um, there and it's it's happened in a few games where where teams have put balls into the box um, 
from from set plays against us and it seems like the, you know the Albion response at times is abject panic i think we've been a, we've been a bit better since uh, since Bartley's come back into the team but over the course of the piece um i i i generally back us defending from open play uh, but i get genuinely worried every time the opposition get a get a set set piece i mean even even Sheffield Wednesday caused us one or two problems on on Tuesday night and they didn't cut uh, from set plays and frankly they 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 by some distance the worst team i've seen this season is it a, is it an issue yeah well i mean it wasn't even the initial set piece was it that they scored from it was the second ball and but I mean, I mean, even even when it's second phase recycled balls, I mean, you know, I'm talking about when when teams have have basically planned a set play that they get their their, their big players forward. We we seem we seem to panic. We don't seem to have a massive problem if even if they've got a big striker with balls just whipped in from open play. But it seems like if a team has the opportunity to work something from the training field, we we seem to have a few issues defending it. Yeah. And- I mean, with the second phase especially, I think that just made us look really, and we were really disorganised and hadn't picked up um, the attackers. And well, I think when the ball was put in there, about three three minutes at the back post, maybe one man defending them. So you put it into that area and um, it's going to cause trouble. And it was, yeah, really good ball in. And we just weren't organised enough, didn't know who was picking up who and um, left probably one of the biggest aerial threats free to to head it in at the back post so the organization was terrible i think from set pieces yeah we've probably improved since bartley's come in i mean he's obviously very good in the air but he seems to organize from them as well um but then you still got to keep your concentration and know who's where when you're defending the second phase of it and that was where we slipped up yeah and uh, i mean uh, as well it's worth saying pete that that, uh, whilst you know bartley has improved us there peters and and kipre Despite Kipre's height, uh, are aerially not that they, they aren't the best defenders um, of, of of high balls, are they? No, Peters isn't brilliant in the air, um, and Kipre's not not great either. But and outside of that, we don't have too many great aerial threats or defenders in the team. Yukushlu is obviously very good in the air, but the other midfielders that we've got aren't aren't brilliant, and nor are the attackers or wide players that we've got fit them in. It. So it's yeah, it's potentially an area of weakness. Um, and well, neither neither's really our striker. But, I mean, Brandon does his best when he goes back there, and obviously Wallace was the nine uh, on Friday night. But it's it's not like when DK's in the team that you you have the you have the option of putting him back there. And to be honest, he's he's almost as good in his own box as he is in the opposition's. Yeah, and it's like when we had um, a few years back now, but Solomon Rondon, he would always come back and defend the set. Defend Andy the Carroll corner. as well. I think he would usually. Yeah, usually at the near post, quite often not marking anyone, but just for his head and head head away any balls in that were kind of into that area or, or just under hit. And um, yeah, it's obviously really useful to have that from your striker. You've seen extra defender from set pieces and someone who's good in the air. And, and DK does it well when he's in the team and also gets forward really quickly if we try to count counter from them. Um, so yeah, he's been a he's obviously been a massive miss um, for various reasons, but. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully when he's he's fit again, then we can start to see it again from our striker. But I mean, Brandon, Brandon will um, yeah, he'll, he'll do his best, but it's not as strong as point heading away, heading away balls into the box. So it's it's yeah, he's not as effective as DK would be doing it. Did the referee compound his night with the third goal, uh, Pete? I know. I think you and I are on slightly different pages as to as as to whether or not it's it's actually a foul. I I can see why it's given. I think uh, um, I, I think you're I don't, I don't think you're you're particularly a fan of the decision. However, what I what I do think is ludicrous and just sum the referee up is even if it is a foul, how on earth has he booked Kipre for that for that challenge? I mean, obviously, what comes next is a very very good free kick from Gardner, and you know you, you've got you've got to give credit where it's due because just because I mean it's not like the penalty which obviously has uh, what's a penalty these days zero point seven nine xg so basically eight out of ten chance of scoring a goal it's not anywhere near that. Um, I'm in in fact I probably probably have it here whilst uh, whilst whilst we're talking. Um, in it, but it'll be an extremely um, low shot value. Yeah, 0.08. 
So, uh, so basically once in 80 times that, that ball goes into the back of the net. So I'm not blaming the referee for the goal, but it just kind of, I just it kind of felt it summed him up dishing out that yellow card to, uh, to Kipre when, you know, it's just, if it's a foul and it, it's just a very standard foul, there's nothing cynical about it. Um, and we'll come on to the broader piece on refereeing in just a second, but I, I think it just goes to show the, utter, utter inconsistency of officiating at at this moment in time because there was one on Tuesday night where Brandon was pulled to the ground and held on the floor so because the ball ran on and Brandon wanted to basically get up and get the ball um, and and he, and he would have been in a very, very advanced position and the referee just doesn't, he gives the foul but and the two players are still grappling on the floor. He doesn't even dish a yellow card out to the Sheffield Wednesday player. I mean, it's the most stonewall yellow I've ever seen in my entire life. And yet that, and yet that, that gets a yellow card dished out. And people might say, Oh, you know, come on, you're just whinging over, over a yellow card, but look, we've got a small squad and players only have to get to five yellows to, um, uh, to to get a suspension, I'm I'm not actually sure how many Kipre's on. I'm sure sure you uh, you might you might be able to tell me that, um, Pete. But um, but I mean, you know, one of your centre halves picking up a daft yellow card, especially one who I think is becoming quite important for us in Kipre, could could end up missing an an important game. And it's just it's it's the utter chronic inconsistency of refereeing. And do you know what we've uh, we we talked early on in the season about how Darnell Furlong has uh, has had some daft yellow cards. Some of them are daft from the point of view of his own fault, but also some of them just haven't been yellows. And we're 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 a booking away from losing Darnell Furlong for a uh, for for a game where I honestly and I honestly believe this that Darnell Furlong has been one of our best players um, for for the last two or three games now and. While some people I know don't rate him and would be happy to see Pippa given a chance, I think losing Darnell for a game would be huge. You know, referees just have to start making the right decisions. Kipro's on two yellow cards now. He got one um, in the first game of the season against Blackburn. So he's on two now. But regarding the the free kick given, yeah, I don't think it was a foul. I don't think there was enough um, enough in it to make the play go down. He maybe got a couple of touches to his chest, but I don't think. any of the touches were a pull on him to to bring him down like that, and I thought it was yeah I thought it was a really soft one. But well, saying that, obviously I, I don't see how it can be a yellow either. Um, free kick afterwards is obviously a really good free kick, so you can't can't take that away from um, Gardner, um, and you can't really look at it any other way. But yeah, I, well, I, was, I mean, as soon as I saw that given and saw the replays, I thought that's not a foul, and I just had a feeling that it's going to result in a goal as well, especially after the the penalty that was given by the referee just felt like it was, yeah, it was going to happen that we're going to concede two goals from two decisions that I thought were incorrect. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great. There's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just on the wider piece on refereeing, Pete, I mean, look, the, the, uh, for for obvious reasons, after the Liverpool VAR thing um, against Tottenham last weekend, there's been an awful lot of talk about um, refereeing standards this week. I mean, for me, Howard Webb, forget the Premier League. And I know that's a very difficult thing to do because it's the, it's where all the money is, it's where all the big boys are, it's where all the TV cameras are. But for me, the solution is fairly simple sort refereeing standards down the football pyramid 
because at the moment, the standard of, of officiating in the EFL is abysmal. I'm sorry. It, it just is. I don't, I, I don't like getting on at referees because I know they have, they have a really, really difficult job, but it, it seems like the, it just, it just seems like the, the, I don't know what you watch them and they're making incredulous decisions that make no sense to anybody. And it seems to be week in, week out. I mean, we, we, we saw that awful decision with, with the Bamford dive uh, in, in the week, which again, you know, I mean, okay, it, it's a dive and Bamford has cheated, but, but also I think the the officials should be able to, should be able to see it. And, and we've, and, I mean, I was talking to a QPR fan, a uh, friend of mine, and he was saying, look, you know, it's it's about the third or fourth decision that's really cost us at big moments in games um, in, in literally four or five weeks. And and in the end that, you know, Gareth Ainsworth might lose his job over uh, over things referees have done. The stakes are so high, you know, man, managers, managers, jobs are on the line, uh, you know, players, reputations and careers are on uh, are on the line. And you know, once once we once we get outside the the, the championship as well, the players aren't earning huge huge sums of money. So, get, you know, if, if if officiating standards in League Two are poor, and it and it ends up getting players um, relegated into non-league, then that's a huge financial impact on them. And there's so much focus on refereeing in the in the Premier League that, but the 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 problem for me seems to be that the PGMOL's message is that and howard webb's message seems to be that we don't uh, you know that um the efl is a dumping ground for bad referees if a referee has a bad game in the premier league they get that they, they get sent down to the uh, to the championship and given a championship game how is that right if a referee isn't competent enough through his actions through his own actions to officiate a premier league game and he's deemed he's deemed poor at his job why do we get stuck with him? Why do why do we have to tolerate that bad official? Why why are we not rather than? I mean, it it seems like at this point in time, refereeing in the EFL is a punishment, and it shouldn't be like that. There should be a minimum standard for referees throughout the PGMOL, throughout the leagues. I don't know what referees assessors do at games. I really don't because they they don't the. There should be if if the referees assessors are really doing their job, then there should be a lot of referees getting pulled up. Certainly, the the guy from Friday night should be ha- having had words with him, but it just won't happen. And as I say, if uh, you know, if there's a referee, um, and I haven't seen any of the Premier League football yet this weekend, but if there's a referee that has had an absolute stinker in the in the Premier League this weekend, you can guarantee that when we return from the uh, from the international break. That that official is refereeing a championship game. How is that right? It's it just it basically it ba- like I say it just says to, to referees that if you're bad at your job, you'll referee in, in the EFL. And what for me is it, that is doing is cre- is creating substandard refereeing performances in the EFL. And I think uh, I, I honestly think there needs to be a minimum standard that referees need to achieve and it needs to go from league two upwards, because if you fix it from league two upwards, and I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do and it's not going to happen overnight, but if you fix it from league two upwards, the premier league ultimately benefits because it means that the referees are all of a minimum standard and that they can, that that when they step up and they referee the big games, that they are ready and they are capable and they know what they, what, what they have to do. But at the moment, it seems like, it, it it seems like if you do referee a bad game in the Premier League, you get punished. But that punishment is referee in in the EFL, and it shouldn't be that bad referees get get given to us, the likes of us. Yeah, I understand that um, there's going to be some kind of ladder to the the best ones go to the top. But the standard that you get in the Championship, and well, I don't know about the, I assume it's the same in League One and League Two. It's just. Um, well, Believe me, it is. I've got a fa- I've got a pal who's a Northampton fan, and he tells me it's absolutely dreadful in League One. Yeah, I can only think it's a lot worse than the Championship because the, I mean, the difference in quality quality, but from the Premier League to the Championship is huge. And quite often we find ourselves in games where you're thinking, how many, you know, how can you keep getting decisions wrong? 
how can it be so inconsistent? Um, I do understand that obviously the Premier League are gonna gonna want the the very best, but the the standard for the rest of the EFL should be a lot higher, and it shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't be such a jump from from the Premier League to the Championship. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, in general, you probably just need more referees and a bigger pool of them to actually progress and um, have decent, well, a range of good quality ones rather than just having... Um... Well, you need to get more ex-players. To I don't know quite how you do that because I know it's a difficult sell to them, but, you know, ex-players would make a huge difference, I feel. Well, yeah, you've got a, a big pool of people that should be a fit enough and be understand the game. You think you could actually set something up to fast track them to to become referees and you know it's always an issue of ex-players about there's some crazy statistic about how many go um bankrupt within how many x number of years of after playing football and it's you know being another job for them still involved in football the ones that don't want to go into coaching and stuff and um you think it'd be beneficial for them as well in a way obviously not everyone's going to want to do it but you'd imagine if there was some kind of fast track course that they could go on then you'd get some interest and you'd massively expand the, the pool of referees. Just going back to the game, Pete, and, you know, as as we say, we, I think I think we've I think we've um, done the referee complaints to death a little bit here. Um, but before that, there was there was a very good goal, um, which Grady Ding on a lovely silky touch to bring the ball out of uh, out of the, uh, the the sky. And then um, AJ said it on the on the Albion commentary that the the ball to Swift is absolutely absolutely brilliant because it makes Swift's mind up for him. He it, it, Grady weights it so that the only thing that Swift can do is is hit it. He basically with with the weight of the pass, he basically tells John Swift what to do. And and wow, does does Swift oblige? I mean, it's just it's a brilliant it's a brilliant finish um, right in the corner. Again, as AJ said on the Albion uh, Albion commentary, like it's not the hardest hit shot, but it's just so perfectly precise. And I mean, that is two fabulous John Swift finishes in a week, Pete, because the, the, the one on the run into the top corner against Sheffield Wednesday was brilliant. Six goals in 12 games. I mean, we, we said last season that there wasn't a lot wrong with the data when it came to John Swift's uh, creativity, that he was comfortably one of the most creative players in, in the championship. But where we had complaints was that... Um, you know he wasn't he wasn't putting set pieces into the back of the net and he wasn't he wasn't scoring enough from open play i mean he's def he's fixed that element he is he is fast becoming the all round all around attacking midfielder in this division isn't he and i mean I actually because I, I did a bit on um uh, on a Sheffield wednesday pod prior to the chef wed game and uh, and i i had i had a, a couple of chef wed fans actually messaged me after the game and the messages all pretty much said the same thing which would which were three words john swift wow and that really is that's how i feel about john swift at the moment i think summed up in a word wow yeah it's another another great goal from him and yeah like you say perfectly weighted pass from dan garner and not only perfectly weighted but again really smooth it wasn't bobbling bobbling at all so it was quite an easy hit for for swift um similar to one that Matty Phillips laid off to Furlong against Preston. Um, it was just perfectly weighted and, and played to, to hit it first time. Uh, yeah, and well, with Swift when we signed him, I thought he'd be more of a goal threat than someone that's going to get loads of assists and be really creative. Um, and this season, it's he's been creative, but he's getting goals. And I think a, a lot of it looked like it's, it's confidence as well. He seems to be a lot more um, energised in games and just seems to be up for a bit more. I guess that's something that's Corbrand's caused and it's the man management of it. Um, but it's confidence in terms of just taking shots on, like the one against against Birmingham, um, to hit that first time. I mean, he didn't really have much of a choice, but to put it where he did um, was just perfectly placed. And then he tried a free kick from about 35 yards out that, to be fair to him, was, was quite a good effort. He hit one against Chef Wed that went just over Pete, and you're right. That's not something we were necessarily seeing from from him last season. I think uh, I I I felt we were guilty of taking too many touches uh, a lot of the time. When even earlier this season, I think that was true when shooting opportunities presented themselves. Do you think it's because that seems to have changed now, particularly with John Swift? He he seems to be shooting when the opportunity presents itself. Do you think that's 
confidence, instruction from Corbran, or a combination of the two? I think it's probably a combination of the two. Um, I'd say Corbran's probably telling them to to get the shots off and, and trust themselves to do it. And once you start doing it a bit and it starts working, then it obviously builds the confidence to actually do it more often. Um, but the way that Swift's playing, the goals that he scored earlier this season have probably given him the confidence to take stuff on earlier and take more shots, um, as well as probably being instructed to. But, I mean, you can instruct players too, but if they're not feeling confident and comfortable doing it, then, you know, they're not they're not necessarily going to do it on the pitch when the time comes and they've got to make that decision in an instant, then, you know, kind of how you're feeling at the time might take over rather than the instructions. So you've got to have the confidence to it as well. And um, I think when you start doing it and doing it successfully, then it's obviously going to build the confidence. Absolutely. And I think the the, the big thing that we have to hope, Pete, is that um, is that the, the, what the injury that forced him from the field is not serious because um, I mean, Corbran has, has spoke about it in loose terms and sort of, uh, I think he probably doesn't know the extent of it at, the, at this point, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've, we've already got two massive, what well, three actually Sarmiento's out for four weeks as well. So we've got three really, really big attacking options out for us at the moment. I know we were obviously going into an international break, which obviously gives him a couple of weeks to to, to recover. So, uh, I mean, so in that sense, the the timing is fortunate as long as it's not too serious. But we cannot afford to lose John Swift as well for any period of time, can we? No, because well, he's probably been our best player this season. If not, he's definitely up there, and um, he's probably our biggest goal threat at the minute. The way that he's the confidence that he's got and his late runs into the box as well as the way he's finishing from range, free kicks and shots from outside the box, it's, yeah, he's probably our biggest goal threat. And with the issues with the injuries that we've got to strikers, then you need these goal threats on the pitch. And yeah, so without Swift, I'm not sure how, where the goals are going to come from regularly. So we've just got to hope that he's he's not out for, for a long time. I suppose one positive in that sense, in terms of attacking options, was um, that that Tom Fellows looked good when he when he came on. Pete um, only on the p- pitch for a short period of time, yet um, actually completed the most successful take ons of any Albion player, equal with with others. But uh, but yeah, two successful take ons, and he looks. Uh, we we saw a lot from him in pre season. I think uh, um, we we talked about him after after I'd been to after I'd been to the Burton Albion game. And I think we got quite excited about Tom Fellows at that point. We haven't really, I mean, I don't think we've seen much or anything of Tom Fellows really since, but maybe maybe just in the League Cup. But I I think he's, obviously we we can't expect him to replace players like Swift or Sarmiento, but he does look like an option off the, off the bench at this point in time. It looks like he'll come on, and he will be very, very, very direct, and he might scare a defender or two. Yeah, he, he looked promising when he came on. I think it's the first time I've seen him, um, but very direct and what to take people on. Um, still looked raw, and you could tell he was he's an academy product and not had too much. Well, not really had any experience playing in the championship, um, but he was positive. I, th- I think it was a decent performance from him, and, um, and he showed a lot of energy and didn't didn't hide when he when he came on he wanted to get involved so it's I think it was all promising and yeah I mean especially if Swift does have a serious injury um and with Sarmiento being out at the minute then we might see a little bit more of him and um after a display against Birmingham um I'm not against that one other player that I just want to talk about who I think has had a very very good week and has actually had a very very good couple of weeks is Alex Mowat Pete um I mean Eleven progressive passes against um, uh, against Birmingham, which was massively the most. Interestingly, sec- uh, uh, the second most progressive passes actually came from Nathaniel Chalaber with five. But I mean, Moa over doubled the 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 most progressive uh, the 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 next most progressive passes, which is very impressive. Uh, defensively, I think he's become a huge asset. He uh, I I noted this against. Um, uh, against Sheffield Wednesday and Millwall, and it was it was then uh, reinforced on uh, on Friday night when he won more fouls than um, than any other Albion player. I think he uses his body really really well. He he, he wins us decisions in important moments, um, and his passing 
through midfield is just superb. And he he defends for us, but then he gets us forward. And then as he showed against Preston, he can he can get into attacking areas and 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 have and have shots. I mean. We we talk about John Swift is is indispensable, um, and I, and I honestly believe he is, Pete. But Alex Mower is very very quickly becoming a, a, a name that just has to be on the team sheet before most others, isn't he? Yeah, he's been excellent since he's come in. Very different to what Mullumby offers. He Mullumby's very good at um, carrying the ball forwards and driving into space, um, and he's always you know he's always got an issue. He's, Sprinting around, and to be fair, Mo is similar, but probably not, um, not as quick or doesn't get around quite as much. But Mo's obviously excellent on the ball, um, very calm, playing in tight spaces. Much looks much more comfortable receiving it off the defenders than um, Malumbi does, and and playing one twos around people pressing him. Um, so he's a lot more comfortable in possession when we're trying to pass the ball about, um, and yeah, good pressing high as well. So. He's, he offers a lot, and um, you can see why he's playing. Um, but I think we've got good options there with him and Malumbi and Yukujlu as well. Obviously, offers something very different. Um, even John Swift, if you want to drop him a little bit deeper, then well, you know Chal- you can, you can did play all him right. there and offer you something else. Chalaba did all right when he came on as well, Pete. Yeah, I thought Chalaba had a, a decent game. Again, he's probably just a bit more technical than Malumbi and a bit more comfortable on the ball. But <laughs> it felt like he got dragged into two deep areas. Um, Maybe it's like a game time he, when we're trying to build up. He seems Pete, to that that sigh dri- that sigh you just did kind of sums up how I feel about Chalibur. I want to like him, but there's just another part of me that's just constantly frustrated by the bloke. I, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I just I just kind of felt the the noise you made there that actually said, said a thousand words for me. Yeah, he um he did some things well, but yeah, I was just saying that I think he got he gets dragged into the back line sometime when we're trying to build up instead of instead of showing kind of in the line between the strike the opposition strikers and midfield when we get impressed when you need to beat that first line of the press he seems to sometimes hide and just drop kind of our goal side of their strikers so he's when we're playing a pass into him it's not beating that first line of the press and we're just not actually getting anywhere I think other bits that he did were quite good and it was quite tidy on the ball but yeah maybe it's just confidence I don't think he was is anywhere near as good as it is especially when we're we're trying to build up from the back. Just while we're on the on the subject, we talked about uh, Mowat and uh, defensive um, uh, defensive work. Just a uh, quick quick quiz question for you, Pete. Who um, uh, Kipre won the most tackles for Albion in uh, against Birmingham? Who won the second most? If you were to have a stab, yeah, that's all it is a stab. Um, I would say Grady. Correct. Massively underrated in that aspect of his game, isn't he? Yeah, and when I was watching it, I thought he was doing doing well with his defensive side, especially in that first half. So, yeah, glad I got that one right. Well, I do like to jump these little quizzes on you from time to time, Pete. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought you might get that one because it's it, it it's a drum we've banged for a while, isn't it? That that, that great because I think you see a little jinky winger who you know uh, with, with with all the flicks and tricks that Grady has in his locker and people just assume they don't they don't work hard and that uh, and and that because there just seems to be this perception that flair players don't work hard and it's like it's not it's not remotely accurate Grady is an excellent defensive option for us uh, as well as an attacking one and you know he's another one that I think um is a very very important player for us going forward I mean, I think we've uh, we, we've talked enough about uh, the defeat, um, Pete. I, I do want to just spend a little bit of time um, going back to Tuesday night and talking uh, talking briefly about Sheffield Wednesday. Openly admit, not the best game of football that that you're ever going to see. And I'll also openly admit, Sheffield Wednesday were blooming awful. I mean, I'm not. Uh, whilst they've obviously got their problems off the pitch, and uh, you know, I, I spoke. Um, uh, I, I, I spoke openly on uh, on the Wednesday till I die podcast um, and and said to them, look, you know, I, uh, from one club that's got a horrible owner to a, to another, um, I, I really hope you get a change um, soon because 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 Sheffield Wednesday are a big club and they don't they they they, they don't deserve what Chan Series is doing there. But 
I mean, Chan Siri didn't didn't send those players out to play hoofball. Um, it was it was dismal. I mean, they 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 mustered up 0.2 xg over the whole game. They whilst Palmer had to make two pretty decent saves. Um, uh, I mean, one's from one's from a lovely curled effort from the edge of the box. It's not really a big chance, and the other one is from a very tight angle and whilst we've had our criticisms of Alex Palmer getting beat at his near post this season you would have been very very worried if Alex Palmer had let that in so I don't think I don't I don't think Sheffield Wednesday created anything that even remotely constituted a big chance they were they they were a poor side but we we put them away we scored we, we scored a goal relatively early on in the game and from there we we kept a lot of the a lot of the ball we had 72% possession over the course of the of the 90 minutes um no we weren't we weren't brilliant going forward you know uh, we 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 didn't create much in the second half i think there was a curled effort from john swift that went just over the bar in the first half we had one which the a bit of a scramble from a set play which the the keeper did well to to get a foot to but we you know we weren't we weren't great. I mean, uh, you know, we we only we only mustered at one point two xG over the ho- over the whole ninety minutes, so it wasn't vintage Albion. But I still thought some of the reactions in the stands were massively, massively over the top. I mean, there was a point with about ten fifteen minutes to go where Albion were knocking it about at the back, and the fans act- actively some fans, I should say, uh, I'm not going to lump everyone in the same boat. But some fans actively started booing their own team. We're one nil up. We're keeping the ball. Uh, look, I think there's. I understand that fans want you to. Uh, they they get nervous. All football fans have seen their team throw away slender leads late in games far too many times to ever feel comfortable about being one uh, one nil up in a in a match. And they want to see you go and kill the game off. And I completely understand that. And I understand why when you don't look like you're going for the going for the other goal. For the for the next the second goal, that that can cause frustration um, with, with within the supporters. I get that. I do get it. But at the same time, Sheffield Wednesday had barely laid a glove on us all night, and I think our players pretty much backed themselves that if they didn't do anything stupid in the remaining minutes, that uh, especially as as Wednesday um, had, uh, had picked up an injury after making all their substitutions, which meant they went down to ten men. I think there's an education piece here a little bit where where we just need to. I think we just need to understand what Corbran and the players at times are trying to do. They they're not trying to throw leads away. They're not trying to drop points. They're trying. They're doing the thing that they believe is the best thing to get them three points. And we had this a little bit towards the end of last season when, uh, when when we uh, we beat Huddersfield one nil at the Hawthorns in highly unspectacular fashion, but it was still a pretty solid display. And I know it can go the other way. You, you know, you, Huddersfield obviously sucker punched us two one um, with, with with a late goal, but th- there was never really it, Huddersfield had caused us problems all the way through that game. There was never really a feeling that. Sheffield Wednesday, we're going to get back into that game in the second half, particularly after they went down to ten men. And I think we just need to be a little bit more patient as a as a fan base and let the players win the game. I mean, there was there was actually players sort of like actually gesturing to the crowd, saying "calm down." And I I do think that's right. As I say, I understand where the feeling comes from. The feeling comes from the fact that. You know, fans have seen their teams throw away leads late in games on and, and they remember them and they get nervous. And I, I do get that. And, you know, look, uh, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm uh, I'm I'm perfect and, and that I haven't at times ho- stood up and hollered at the players to go forward or uh, or, or, or to or to play an attacking pass. But I, I just think this is something that clearly is part of Corbrand's makeup and how he controls games. And let's be honest, it's been pretty successful for us up to this point. Generally, Carlos Corbran's team, West Bromwich Albion team, have, once they've got themselves into a good position, have generally seen those games out. So, you know, should we, let's just trust the coach, eh? I think that's that's basically the message I'm giving. And a lot of the time when we're standing with the ball in defence, we're waiting for a press, especially at Sheffield Wednesday at times, who were quite happy for most of the game to just kind of sit back and not press, sit in the low block and defend like that when 
we actually want players to to press us so that we can play around them and beat that press and then go forward. So, yeah, I think it's just about having a bit of patience and trusting what the players are actually being asked to do. And if you, yeah, if you wait for players to come to you, then then maybe it opens up the chance to play forward and then you can attack rather than just playing it into a really congested area where if you play a forward pass, then you're most likely to lose it and it's going to come come back at you pretty quickly and you've lost possession and, and well, you never know what's going to happen then. So, yeah, like I said, I think it's about having the patience and trusting the players to, to carry out what they've been asked to do. I mentioned Alex Palmer there, Pete, and he, he did make, I mean, one outstanding save in um in that in that game, as I say, the one from the angle I would expect him to make, but then maybe that's the kind of save that um that that possibly he hasn't made all the time and you know, kind of takes me back to that Huddersfield game where after the game we were we were quite critical of Alex Palmer. We said he got he he got a weak spot at his near post, and we were worried that teams were going to look to try and target that uh, more often. I have to say, I mean, obviously, since that game, um, we 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 then went and kept um, four clean sheets out of five. Um, yeah, we conceded two against Watford, three against Birmingham, but I don't think you can blame the goalkeeper for any of those goals. Really, I I have to say, he. What was a really difficult moment for him after the Huddersfield game? Because let's be honest, we lost that game largely because of him, uh, because he let in two goals that he he should not in a million years be letting in. He could have gone one of two ways. I mean, look, you know, uh, I'm sure uh, many Halpian fans have seen the seen the video of uh, of of David Button's um, performance against Northampton for for Reading earlier this week, and and look, David Button had had some difficult moments for Albion when he first got into the team and he never responded. He never, he never recovered from those. Alex Palmer, similarly, the Huddersfield game was difficult moments for him. And they're moments where goalkeepers have to take responsibility and, and, you know, realize that they have a responsibility to the team and that their errors cost games. And you can respond in one of two ways. You can either, do what David Button did throughout his Albion career. And he just genuinely hasn't even, he's never recovered. He's never recovered. And that is crumble. Or you can do what Alex Palmer has done in the last few weeks. And that's responding the right way and be superb. Yeah. He's been very good recently. And that saving in Sheffield Wednesday was excellent. Um, yeah. One of the, probably one of the best ones you'll see this season um, to tip it over when it's, you know, flying into the top corner and yeah, and I had a lot to do before that as well. So to, to be prepared to, to kind of do that when you not have much else to do in the rest of the game is even more impressive. Um, but yes, yeah, it's the start of the season when he let in a couple of um, goals you probably wouldn't expect him to concede. I think he's definitely picked up form and um, luckily didn't lose his confidence from there and, and crumble since then. So um, it's looking promising on the goalkeeper front. I know, you know, we've got Josh Griffiths on the on the bench and he's meant to be an excellent keeper. And when we've seen him, he's been pretty good. So he's yeah, on the goalkeeper front, it looks like we're um, we're doing all right at the minute. Absolutely, and uh, not least because I've just had an off-air coughing fit. I think my my voice has decided that uh, that's quite enough, Chris. So um, we shall we shall leave it there for today. But um, as always, thank you for listening. Um, obviously, we go into an international break now, so we will definitely be back uh, after the Plymouth game. I might uh, line up a um, a, a special uh, sometime in the week. Um, although uh, that, as as you can tell from my um, rather croaky uh, condition today, that rather depends on <laughs> on whether or not I'm in any fit state to uh, to record um, in the in the in the coming week. But um, uh, there may be uh, there may be a special coming, there may not, um, but we will undoubtedly be back um, ahead of the uh, sorry after the Plymouth game to uh, to uh, to reflect upon that. So for now, thanks for listening and up the baggies. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.